The term born again is often used in the professing Christian community. It's often used in reference to or when describing a Christian conversion. Many self-professing Christians believe they are born again because of the doctrine they've been taught. Today's most prevalent false doctrine that needs to be emphasized teaches that once a person verbally accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're immediately born again. But is this true? And how does the Bible define being born again? The Bible actually provides some select verses that clearly define what born again means, how it happens, and what it involves. According to the Bible, it does not take place at the time a person verbally accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior. There is actually nothing in the Bible that suggests that. But it happens only in the first resurrection and the second resurrection of those who are in Christ or those who are repentant and bear fruit until the end. The Bible also describes it as a complete change from flesh to spirit, from weak to powerful, from mortal to immortal. Let's examine God's word to get a clearer understanding of what the term born again means and what the true born again process entails. This is a relatively short audio and was recorded Tuesday, July 7th, 2015. Let's begin by going to John chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. Again, that's John chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. Now, St. John, not 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John. Uh, that would be St. John. And let's begin in uh, verse 1 as it states here. There was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That is, what, which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And essentially what Christ is saying here is that flesh comes from flesh. You know, fresh flesh, excuse me, birth flesh. Spirit birth uh, spirit. And he goes on to say, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. In other words, Christ is saying you can't see uh, an individual who is born of the Spirit or born again. Uh, so that it is being clearly outlined here by Jesus Christ himself that that born again process is a transformation from flesh to spirit. And uh, I'll further clarify that and expound on that. Uh, later on in this audio and uh, Christ is just emphasizing here to Nicodemus that uh, no individual uh, can uh, enter into the kingdom except he be born again and that I find that you know that's a very interesting and profound verse and it's something that needs to be um, uh, you know needs to be you know seriously considered uh, you know when you when you when you begin to claim 
or profess that you're born again as of right now. You know, Christ is emphasizing here uh, that no man or individual can enter or see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. In other words, what, what Christ is saying is that no man or woman can enter into the kingdom or even see the kingdom of God unless that individual is born again. And why is that? Uh, because the kingdom of God is a spirit realm. And you cannot access a spirit realm in a physical body. And that is what is clearly being emphasized here. And it becomes even more clear as, as Christ expounds on it in uh, verse 6 where he says, Flesh is flesh, and that uh, which is born of the spirit is, is spirit. And he goes on to expound on it further in verse 8 where he emphasizes that the wind bloweth where it listeth. And though hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so Christ is emphasizing, you know, the Spirit-born individual is just like the wind. You can't see him. Uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, physically grasp him or, or touch him, you know, because he's an, an invisible spirit being. It's essentially what Christ is talking about, just like the wind is. The wind is invisible. You know, you might hear it, you know, uh, you know but you cannot see it. And uh, that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's obvious. That's, that's what uh, Christ is emphasizing here. And, um, you know, as, as uh, we proceed in this audio, as I proceed, excuse me, I'll expound on that even further, uh, using God's word to, to, to uh, confirm that, that the spirit or the born again process entails, involves a conversion from flesh to spirit. You know, from this human fleshly body being born, uh, uh, transformed into a spirit body. And that will become even more clear as, uh, as we proceed. But let, let's just, uh, let me go over that again. And um, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, as it states here, There was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, he's coming to Christ by, at night by here, and, and, and probably at night here and uh, probably because he didn't want want to be uh, ridiculed you know for for coming to Jesus a man that many of the Pharisees uh, you know looked down on and uh, you know because they were the religious figures of the day and you know most people looked up to the Pharisees and the scribes and you know Christ was coming and he was getting a lot of that attention and they were really jealous of that the fact that Christ was getting a lot of that uh, that attention you know that they um you know that they really reserved for themselves and uh, you know Christ was doing all types of miracles you know his name was being uh, you know uh, spoken uh, you know throughout the land because of his mighty miracles and the things that he was doing and it was taking a lot you know away a lot of the shine so to speak from the Pharisees and the scribes and they didn't like that at all so Nicodemus came to him at night and uh, like I said you know probably uh, because, you know, more than likely because he didn't want to be ridiculed by his fellow Pharisees uh, for, for coming to Jesus. He didn't want to be seen coming to Jesus in the daytime or he, he didn't want it known is basically the point I'm trying to make. Uh, but he goes on to say the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do the, these miracles, the mighty miracles that what Christ was doing. No man can do these things except God be with the man. And, uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. And it's, it's kind of interesting that Christ immediately started talking about the born-again process here. 
and probably because Christ knew why it was coming. You know, you know, Christ was God. He knew what the man was thinking before he knew. He knew the man was going to come before he even came, and he knew what the man was thinking uh, when he came. So Christ immediately started expounding on the born again process here, and uh, you know, because he knew that that is what the uh, Nicodemus was, inter was interested in. But he said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother room, mother's womb and be born? He just did, you know, he could not grasp it. But Christ was talking about this flesh being changed to spirit, as he clearly outlines later uh, in, in uh, the, these verses. But he goes on to say, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And why is that? Because the spirit realm the god the kingdom of god is a spirit realm you can't even see it you know you can't how can you access it if you can't even see it and my 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 um challenge to a, a number of these people to say that they're born again now now according to uh you know god's word uh you cannot enter into the kingdom you have no access to the kingdom except you're born again now if you're born again you should be able to access the kingdom of heaven so why don't you do that and come back and tell me uh, how it is you know, but it's impossible for you to do that because you're not born again. Uh, you know, this particular fleshly state being in a repentant state is the begotten state. They're two separate and distinct different states. The, the begotten state is a state of repentance. Uh, you know, we're essentially an embryo, the righteous man, an individual that's keeping God's commandments. And that's what repentance is defined as. And uh, for more information about that, you can uh, listen to the audio entitled Repentance. What is it exactly? Uh, by going to www.thetruthplainandsimple.info uh, and going to the, the audios tab and you, or in the Bible teachings tab, uh, you know, either one, and you can actually download that particular audio and listen to it. But that particular rent, repentant process uh, is, is the begotten state. Any, any, any individual that is repentant in terms of keeping God's commandments, keeping the word as a whole, and bringing that flesh into subjection uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, you know striving to do that on a daily basis and producing fruit that individual is in the you know as he's led and filled by the Holy Spirit that individual is in the begotten state and again I hope to make that even more you know, clear as we proceed that there are two you know different states uh, you know the born-again process has not yet taken place uh, no individual right now is born again. No human being right now is born again. And only the those the elect of God, those individuals that are living in accordance with God's commandments and the word of God as a whole, uh, bringing that flesh under subjection as they're led and filled by the Holy Spirit and they're pro producing fruit, those individuals are in the begotten state. But no individual man or woman is born again in the, at, at the present time. Um, and again, I hope to make that even more clear as we proceed. Now let's continue. And he states here, uh, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. You know, it's just, you know, fairly simple there. You know, uh, Christ was just saying, you know, if, you, if you're flesh, that means you, you were born of flesh. If you're in the spirit form, that means you were born of spirit. And no individual is born of spirit right now in terms of now they, they, they have this the Holy Spirit uh, dwelling with them or imparted 
or dwelling inside of them and have it imparted to them, but that is not the born-again process. Uh, the born-again process is much more profound, and I ought to make, again, that clear as we proceed. Now, as, as Christ goes on to say here in verse 7, Marvel, not that I said unto you that you must be born again. He said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and though hears the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And uh, once again, he's emphasizing that that particular Spirit born, the born again process of being born of the Spirit. And that is what born again means. To have the flesh changed into spirit. The flesh is changed, transformed from, from flesh to spirit form. And this is what Christ is emphasizing. He makes it plain uh, when he emphasizes here to Nicodemus that it's like the wind. You know, you can, you can hear the wind, but you can't see it. So is every individual that is born of the Spirit or that is born again is what Christ is, is emphasizing, which is clearly outlined and, and clarified uh, in the full context of the uh, verses uh, 1 through 8. Now let's continue to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 12 through 54. Now this, these particular verses actually explain... Uh, pretty profoundly and directly what that born-again process is, what that born-again state is. Uh, let's begin in verse uh, 12. It states here, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, we are found false witnesses, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, if that be the case, if Christ is not risen, uh, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ when he raised not up, uh, so if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? In other words, he's saying if the dead don't rise, then Christ is not, you know, risen either. And he says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Now this is the, the, the hypothetical scenario if Christ is not risen, is what's being emphasized here. But, you know, we as Christians know that that's not the case. Uh, you know, from my own personal experiences, know that God is real and Christ is real, and that Christ is risen. Now it states here, in verse 19, if this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of all men most miserable. If again, Christ has not risen, but we know that that's not the case. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came also the resurrection of the dead. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, Christ first, then the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall, or Christ being the first fruits, and uh, you know, and the, the first fruits um, uh, who take place in the first resurrection as well. Christ is, you know, can. Uh, uh, be viewed as the, the first fruits, and so are those who take part in the the first resurrection. There, uh, viewed as the first fruits as well. But Christ, you know, being the primary first fruits, so to speak. 
uh, and then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death you know the time is coming when death will not be it'll be a laughable you know, people will be looking back and actually joking about that you know the fact that they died and how they died they'll it'll be you know be a thing of the past people will be joking about it the time is coming when that is going to be the uh, that is going to be the case for he hath put all things under his feet and when he saith all things are put under him it is manifest that he has accepted which did put all things under him and when all things shall be subdued unto him then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him that God may be all in all now that is a profound verse right there when you understand what the future is of the servants of God now and that it is absolutely actually self-explanatory there but most people wouldn't still can't grasp it when when, when uh, this particular verse is making it plain uh, but I'll be covering going into more detail in, in the audio uh, uh, outlining what uh, the future is for those for the the spirit born sons of God and who they are uh, you know I'll be going into more detail in a future audio about that hopefully now the states here else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all why are they then baptized for the dead and why stand we in jeopardy every hour I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord I die daily He's speaking about the flesh and bringing that flesh into subjection is what he's talking about. Beating the flesh down, which is emphasized in Galatians. I think it's 5.24. Then that Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And that is what we required of the servants of God, to beat the flesh down, bring it under subjection to the will of God, to the word of God. Uh, and and to bear fruit, and, you know, and, and um, bringing that flesh into subjection involves keeping God's commandments, his word as a whole as those individuals are led by the spirit and filled by the spirit now it goes on to say in verse 32 if after the manner of men have fought with beasts at Ephesus what advantage in me if the dead rise not let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die in other words uh, uh, he's saying uh, you know if, if it don't matter if Paul is saying if it don't matter you know if Christ is not risen you know then let us eat and drink you know uh, uh, you know, because we're going to die anyway, and, uh, you know, ain't no hope in death, you know, and pretty much is what Christ is, uh, what uh, Paul is emphasizing here. He says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Though fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. In other words, you know, uh, life, death produces life, you know, because in many respects, uh, you know, that applies to, you know, putting a seed in the ground, you know, and things of that nature. You know, some certain plants die, they'll leave new seedlings and new plants will blossom up. Um, but uh, in that context is what that means. Um, and it also applies to this physical body when you're in Christ. Uh, once this physical body dies because it, it has to die for that spirit transformation to take place and that's what's being emphasized even more profoundly 
this physical body has to die for that physical transformation to take place but it will happen instantaneously to the point where you won't even you won't notice it is essentially what it amounts to and uh, as it as it continues here in 37 and that which thou sowest thou sowest not that the body that shall be but bear again it may chance of wheat or some other grain but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body you know as I mentioned earlier and in, in reference to seeds and what they produce you know seed, seeds produce life you know you put a seed in the ground you plant it, you know, and it's going to blossom a big plant or tree or whatever, you know, depending on what type of seed you, you put in the ground. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory, glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. This is the born-again process here. It is what the true born-again process entails and involves. And it, begin, it explains it more profoundly here as we continue. Now, it's sound, it, excuse me, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man Adam is of the death, or excuse me, is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, this is the born again process. We go, as we've borne the image of this fleshly body, this earthly body, we're going to bear the image of the heavenly body, the heavenly transformation of this physical body being transformed from flesh to spirit and power, as this clearly outlined in these verses. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And, you know, that's what Christ uh, covered in, in uh, John chapter uh, 3. You know, you know, it's being, again, you see how the Bible confirms itself, interprets itself, and, ju and ju justifies itself, uh, you know, and uh, just validates itself. He says, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, the flesh cannot in inherit the spiritual realm where it is incorruptible. The spirit realm cannot, it does not corrupt, it does not die, you know, don't rust, you know. None of that takes place in God, in the spirit, in the kingdom of God. And this, this, this uh, physical uh, body which is corrupt and which dies cannot uh, inherit a spiritual realm. It has to be transformed into spirit itself to inherit the kingdom of God, which is a spirit realm. Now it goes on to say, Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Now that is the true born-again process, which is clearly outlined in uh, uh, Corinthians 15 here. It's a, it's a, it's a transformation of the flesh to spirit. Uh, it, you know, any individual who's in a phys this physical body right now, uh, it is, it's impossible for them to be born of the spirit or born again being in a fleshly body. You're not born again now. You, you, those individuals are living in accordance with God's will, his commandments, his word, and, uh, and um, bearing fruit as they're filled with God's Holy Spirit. They're merely begotten right now. They're in a begotten stage. It's almost like a child or a fetus, an embryo. Uh, you know, and then once his birth, it becomes fully man, you know, and it's breathing air and then and, and, and as opposed to uh, ambionic fluid, you know, and things of that nature. So the same thing applies with this physical body. When once that transformation takes place, this physical body is going to be transformed into the spiritual body or spirit body with limitless power. Now, I've covered that in previous audios. You know, nothing will be impossible for these spirit born sons and daughters of God. Nothing. You know, and, uh, you know, when you when you have a thorough understanding of God's word, you, you see that, uh, you know, you understand that clearly, that nothing will be impossible for these individuals. No limits. Uh, you know, like it's the Bible, which is clearly, again, outlined here in, um, in Corinthians 15. Um, that this particular that particular um, transformation is is uh, involves this physical body. Tra changing or transforming uh, into a spirit body uh, in, into a mortal from a mortal body to an immortal body from a corrupt body to incorrupt the complete transformation that's what's being emphasized and that is the true born again process that's the true born again state you know, you're not born again now that there's a false doctrine that's been taught for years and people have bought into it because uh, again, it's being taught by false unlearned ministers who don't know and have a uh, understand God's word because it did it requires that the that you be filled and and led by God's Holy Spirit to even understand God's word and to do that you have to follow God's commandments and and uh, you know that's a part of uh, the process you know like the Bible tells us in Matthew uh, it uh, it says that uh, you don't put new wine in um, uh, old bottles unless the bottles break and the wine perish. But you to put new wine and new bottles, and both are preserved. And basically what that's emphasizing is that God is saying he's speaking from a spiritual perspective. He's saying that he's not going to put his Holy Spirit in an unclean vessel. That's why the Bible tells us um, to repent, be baptized, and fill with the Holy Spirit. It's a process. Um, repenting first, be baptized, then fill with the Holy Spirit cleaning up making way or cleaning that house up in pre pre preparation for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is what in it uh, that's that's what's involved uh, you know so you know uh, and that that requires that repentant process involves keeping those commandments the Word of God as a whole uh, and you know to find out more about that you can go to the, uh, the site www.thetruthplain.and that's a n not a n d simple.info 
and listen to the audio entitled Repentance, What Is It Exactly? We're going to more detail about that, uh, what that involves. Uh, you know, the repentance process uh, is much more than a simple verbal acceptance of Jesus Christ. That, put, that is a false doctrine that produces gross rank hypocrisy. And that's why you have so much, so many just hypocrites. It, it, birth, it gives birth to hip, hip, hypocrites. And, uh, you know, God's word says that he's going to destroy hypocrites. And I've got cover that in the audio entitled um, Hypocrisy. Uh, and you can listen to that audio as well by going to the site www.thetruthplainandsimple.info. Uh, but again, there's a pre preparation that need, that's involved in terms of receiving that Holy Spirit. Um, you know, you have to clean up that vessel first. You know, it's just like you if you if you move into a home, you know, you're not going to go into a home and live into a, live in a home if it's a filthy home. You know, you're going to clean that home up. You know, you're going to mop. You know, you're going to disinfect. You know, before you move in, you're not. You know, it's like you if you purchase a home and you move into a home, you're not going to leave that home the way that you 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 found it or the, the way that you purchased it. You're going to clean it up. You're going to paint. You know, you're going to put new furniture in it, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, in preparation to be lived in. And the same thing, you know, it, it applies even more so with the great God. You know, God is not going to dwell in an unclean vessel. You know, you have to clean that vessel up first, and then God will impart his spirit. Now, he's, he, he'll be with you in terms of helping you clean that, that vessel up. First, he, the spirit dwells with you, and then it eventually inhabits you. And that's emphasized in uh, John chapter 14, uh, 15 through 17, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, uh, you, it's for, he first imparts that spirit to dwell with you. And while it's dwelling with you, it's working with you, empowering you, and giving you the strength to bring uh, the flesh into subjection, to depart from sin. And it, does, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's a steady progression in the process where, whereby you're, uh, you know, you're working to get better and you are getting better as the Spirit dwells with you. And uh, once it gets to the point where you, you, uh, you've uh, pretty much departed from iniquity uh, in terms of keeping God's commandments and, and striving to keep His Word as a whole as the, the, the Holy Spirit empowers you and strengthens you to do that, then He imparts the Spirit to you in terms of filling you with the Holy Spirit. But that's why the Bible tells us, again, in John chapter uh, 14, uh, uh, verses um, 15 through 17, if I'm not mistaken, that the Spirit dwells with you. And speaking, as, as Christ was speaking to his disciples, the Spirit dwells with you and it shall be in you. You know, it, it, it's dwelling with you now, but eventually it shall be, uh, it shall be in you. Now, uh, you know, let's continue uh, to Second Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Again, that's Second Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Just a second here. And, but, uh, you know, uh, again, that's uh, John 14, 15 through 17, where Christ, and again, he's talking to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments. And uh, 
and he emphasizes that me and the Father will come unto you and make our abode with you. And um, and, uh, to, and eventually impart the, 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 the Holy Spirit to you. Uh, but uh, he emphasizes that the Spirit is going to be dwelling with you first, as he states here. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Uh, and that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit. And again, but it's, it's con con uh, conditional on keeping the commandments, as Christ emphasized. He said, first keep my commandments if you love me. Then I will give, pray to Father, and he will give you the, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, the Spirit that is, the Holy Spirit, and eventually it shall he, he that sh the Spirit shall be in you. So it's a process. Now let's go to First Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen. For First Thessalonians chapter four verses thirteen through eighteen, as it states here. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them. Uh, also which sleep in Jesus Christ or Jesus will God bring with him or resurrect is what's being emphasized for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not be and shall not excuse me prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first that's the first resurrection and then uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words now I emphasize you know at the opening of this audio that that particular born again process takes place in the first and resurrection and that was actually a, a mistake on my part it, it actually takes place in the first resurrection uh, the second resurrection is a, a, a whole a, a resurrection different res resurrection altogether uh, but the, it takes place let me just clarify again that was a mistake on my part uh, I actually meant to remove that wording uh, but, but it takes place again in the first resurrection and that first resurrection involves the first fruits and first those that are dead are going to be raised in that resurrection and then those that are in Christ that again those that uh, keep his commandments that are those that are repentant who keep the commandments the word of God as a whole and I have the Holy Spirit and uh, uh, bearing fruit those individuals are gonna follow thereafter but it first involves those that are dead in Christ they're gonna ra be raised first and those that are still alive they're gonna be caught up and that's all takes place in in, uh, in the first resurrection Again, I made a mistake when when and the, when opening uh, the audio uh, at the opening of the audio when when I mentioned that uh, it, it that born again process takes place in the first and second resurrections. It only takes place in the first resurrection. Again, that was a mistake on my part. Now, uh, let's continue again to to First John chapter five verse eighteen. First John chapter five verse eighteen. Uh, where it says here, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, this is what I was covering earlier in the audio, 
the big, you know, and, and again, and again, that is this particular verse is really profound because it's emphasizing the two different states: the born again state and the begotten state. Now, I've heard a lot of ministers misinterpret this particular verse by suggesting that uh, this is in reference to being born again in this fleshly body, you know, uh, in relation to that doctrine that they teach. But that cannot be the case because this particular verse clearly states that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. So it is emphasizing here who is ever, whosoever is born of the Spirit or born again cannot sin. It says sinneth not. Now we know being in, in this begotten state that that's not possible. You know, anybody in this begotten state is capable of sinning. You know, the thing is, as it's emphasized here, they keep himself. This individual who is begotten keeps himself or keeps his flesh under subjection so that the wicked one of Satan toucheth him not. In other words, the begotten individual keeps himself from sinning so he won't be, he can't be uh, touched or harmed by Satan. When you're a begotten individual, when you uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, keeping the commandments, the Word of God as a whole, you fall under God's protection, and Satan really can't touch you unless God allows it in terms of a trial or a test. Uh, and that is what that's what's being emphasized. But it emphasizes here, in the, at the beginning of that particular verse, it says that we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now, this, this is a separate and distinct state, this born-again state here. And that, made, that is made plain and clear because this individual cannot sin. And uh, once you're born again, you won't be able to sin. And that is what's, what's being emphasized in that particular verse. Uh, once you're born again, it is impossible to sin. You won't be able to sin, even if you wanted to sin. Well, you won't want to sin. Just, uh, the, you know, the, to, to be blunt about that, you won't, you won't want to sin, you know. You're going to be in a perfect divine spirit state where sinning is impossible. And we know that that is not the case now. You know, we can't be born again now because we're all capable of sinning right now. You know, and we, you know, and we all have sin, you know, uh, because we stumble. You know, uh, you know, it may be something as, as, as simple as cursing somebody out. You know, you may get upset and, and say something that inappropriate. And then you, you ask God for forgiveness later on. Or, you know, you may, uh, you may say something, a uh, rude remark to someone out of anger or something like that, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, and you ask for forgiveness, you know, but, you know, the, the, this is what we, we are subject to uh, in this begotten state. You know, everybody is uh, because we're not perfect in this begotten state. We're still fleshly beings, uh, you know, uh, in this fleshly body with the same desires and lust of the flesh that, that um, you know, we, we're uh, plagued by, you know, because we're in this, these fleshly bodies. And, uh, you know, we're subject to sinning at times, you know. But, uh, you know, we can come to Jesus Christ and come to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness for, the, for that stumbling. We, when we try not to sin willfully. You know, we may stumble on occasion, but we come to God in Christ in prayer and we ask for forgiveness for those sins. And then we work to... Uh, correct those particular faults and in and, and, and hopes that they don't happen again. So that that's you know that's pretty much how it is, and that's that is the uh, pretty much the the situation and scenario while we're in this begotten state. 
but that individual as it states here in first John chapter 5 verse 18 he says we know that whoever is born of God that individual does not sin now we know that can't be the case right now you know in this begotten state you know nobody can make that claim you know that uh, being in this begotten state that they you know they did that they don't stumble you know it, it happens to the best of us you know but we have we can go to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness for those particular uh, sins and those transgressions and that stumbling you know but we try again we try not to sin willfully because that's something altogether different and when you do that you know you can fall out of God grace you know uh, which is emphasized in Hebrews chapter 10 verses uh, 26 through 32 you know you can read that and it goes into more detail of that, about that and also in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6 through 8 so so we know that's that's not the case you know in this begotten state we're capable of sin so we're you know we're, we're uh, subject to the to the fleshly desires uh, of the body uh, you know but we beat the flesh down and keep it under subjection is what's being emphasized here where it states that he that's begotten of God keepeth himself and that's talking about beating the flesh down bringing it under subjection to the will and the word of God you know and that's not an easy process you know that's why the Bible says that those that uh, that the individual who has departed from sin who has put sin to rest that individual is suffering in the flesh because he's constantly beating his flesh down. You know, it's not an easy process. And, you know, that is uh, another false doctrine that's been taught that once you accept Jesus Christ, it automatically frees you from sin. That is the biggest satanic lie and false doctrine. It is riddled with lies and, 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 and um, inconsistencies and things that are not consistent with the word of God is all at all, you know. This is about suffering in the flesh. You know, those individuals has put, like the Bible says, those individuals who have put sin to rest are suffering in the flesh. You know, because it's, it's, a, it's a constant battle of overcoming our fleshly desires, our sinful nature and character. And we do that by the Holy Spirit. God imparting that Holy Spirit to us to strengthen us to overcome. And that's why the Bible tells us in Revelation, Christ tells us that them that overcome, them that overcome, will I make uh, a pillar and they shall, you know, uh, sit with me, sit down with me in my throne, even as I overcame and am set down with my father in this throne. But it's about overcoming the flesh, Satan and the world. Those are the things that this righteous have to overcome. And it's a battle. It's not easy. All right. Now that false doctrine about once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, all sin. You know, I've heard I've heard that false doctrine, and these people, uh, you know, give testimonies. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I didn't have no more desire to have uh, sex with them, them with a fun, you know with a curvaceous woman, you know, a sexy woman, you know, beautiful cur curvaceous sexy woman. You, you know, I, I didn't have no more desires. It just left. You know, that, that is not consistent with the Word of God at all. You know, that stuff don't go away. You know, you still are going to have those desires, you know, being a man, you know, looking at a curvaceous, beautiful woman, uh, you know, but you have to beat the flesh down. That's what's required. You're still going to have those desires looking at one, looking at a woman, you know, being a man, looking at a woman and, and, and having desires for her like that, you know. And it, it's even more profound if you're not a married man, you know, which I'm not, you know. So you can pretty much know how, you know, the, 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 the battles that I'm fighting. And what I have to overcome. I'm not a married man, but you know, and I've been celibate for years, you know. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a battle, you know. It's a fight, 
and um, it's not an easy battle. It's not an easy fight, you know. And so that's what's being emphasized. He says, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself. But before that, it states that we know that whoever is born of God or born again is what that is, that is emphasizing. That individual who, whose flesh has been transformed from, f from flesh to spirit, that individual cannot sin is what's being emphasized. That's, that's what that means. He sinneth not. It means, that, it means that he cannot sin. But now it, uh, it transitions to the individual who is begotten here. This is a different class of individual. That individual is not born again. He's just in his fleshly body, living by the commandments and the word of God as a whole, as he's strengthened and empowered by God's Holy Spirit, and he's keeping himself. He's fighting to keep himself from sin. That is what those verses uh, mean. That's what they're emphasizing. Now let's continue. And that's further confirmed um, uh, in, in terms of uh, in that individual who says that he, he does not have any sin. You know, that, you know, that, that individual is a liar. You know, because we're, we're all sinners, you know. We, we've all, you know, been involved in sin. You know, the, the, the individual who, who was repentant, uh, the only individual that was sinless was Jesus Christ himself. But every other individual, every other man has been, you know, a sinner at one some point in his life. Uh, the repentant uh, as well, you know, those that have departed from the sin. And that's what's emphasized in 1 John 1, 8 through 10, where it states, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it states, if we say then, if we say, rather, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and uh, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So, you know, nobody is perfect uh, in that context in terms of having no sin, you know. That doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to you. It only applies to Jesus Christ. You know, overcoming in this flesh is, 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 is a daily struggle and battle. Beating the flesh down, bringing it under subjection to the will and the word of God. And it's a fight, you know. But God gives us the, the Holy Spirit, his word, uh, you know, the knowledge of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit to get it done. And we have to get it done. But uh, as you see clearly, uh, the born-again process uh, you know, as it relates to the doctrine that they're teaching now uh, and how the Bible outlines the born-again process are two totally, com completely different situations. The born-again process that the Bible outlines involves the fleshly body being transformed into a spirit body. The born-again doctrine, the false doctrine that... Um, uh, traditional Christianity teaches is that you're born again right now once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, and that is not a true at all. That is not consistent with God's Word uh, at all. And you see that here for yourself. Don't believe me? Believe the Word of God. Do not believe me? Believe God's Word. The born again process involved a spiritual rebirth. This fleshly body being transformed into spirit body. This weak body being transformed into a powerful body. This mortal body being transformed into an immortal body. My name is Donald Bohannon. Thanks for listening.